Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. So today, have we got a treat for you. Uh, welcome to the show, Lucy Sheen. Hi, thank you very much for having me. Yeah. So Lucy is a transracial adoptee. Um, and she is also, interesting combination, she's a classically classically trained actor, writer and, and filmmaker. Um, but we're going to be kind of zeroing in on the, uh, the, the transracial adoptee part of um, uh, how she sees herself. Um, and uh, this is, I was saying to Lucy before we hit, hit record, I'm really looking forward to this because her, her take on this is really, really deep, very, very considered, incredibly articulate and incredibly bright. And I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm feeling that I'm going to be stretched by this conversation. And I like that. Right? I, I like being stretched. But if if I occasionally there's occasionally a bit of radio silence, right? It's just me because I'm 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 stretching because uh, as a white guy adopted by white parents, I don't have lived experience of this, and that's essentially what we're going to be um, exploring today. So because I, I don't have the lived experience, it's gonna it's gonna it's stretch me to to grow to take in uh, to take in the sort of stuff that Lucy's going to going to be talking about. So really looking forward to it. Um, as I was talking to um, another transracial adoptee yesterday, and it seemed to me there's there's three there's kind of three stages. Um, there's the fact. So what what makes I have what I share in common, um, and I think what we all share in common, all as adoptees, uh, is that we feel different. So I felt different, but I was a white guy with white white parents. So I didn't look different, okay. And 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 uh, uh, so there's that that the 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 looking different thing, kind of uh, to use a word that you mentioned before we started recording, Lucy. It compounds the difference. So the 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 looking different is the logical compounding it, it compounds the feeling of difference so it's more evidence that we are different mm. and and then and and then that is further compounded if we're in a mainly white and um, uh, white society white part of uh, part of the world that other people treat us differently so that i see three three bits here that compound mm. feeling different looking different and as i learned from the a transracial adoptee last night um uh, being treated differently mm -hmm. and and that would seem to me to uh, to compound the complexity and the uh, and the differenceness and uh, what people call othering these days mm -hmm. i think that's the word um what does does that make does does that make sense to to, to oh absolutely to, yes i mean i think uh, obviously, uh, there will be similarities, uh, huge similarities between other transracial adoptees, but each one of us, uh, our narrative, our, our stories is very unique. Um, so I, I, I can't speak for other transracial adoptees. This is just what I've um, experienced, what I've lived. Um, and initially, I mean, I grew up, in a very uh, white part of England, 
um, conservative with a, a small C as it was then in the late 50s, early 60s. So uh, this country was a very different place in terms of its its uh, relationship to people of colour, um, its understanding, uh, you know, sort of they were majoritarily from um, sort of uh, the islands, um, some South Asians, uh, very few East Asians. Well, you didn't see them as uh, there were, but you didn't see them out and about as you do now. Um, and uh, I remember going to Chinatown for the first time and, and that was completely um, pro uh, full of, as you would expect, um, people of, of, of East Asian uh, heritage from predominantly from sort of Hong Kong. Whereas now you walk through, it's a tourist place, you know, you have a variety and diversity, which is, which is amazing. So I grew up and as, you know, sort of a very young child, I didn't see, initially see anything wrong or anything untoward in the makeup of where I was, I was growing up. Um, and it was only through the reactions of other people from the immediate community that even as a young child, it was like, oh, this is a bit odd, you know, but, as, you know, children are children. They're very resilient. You know, you, you don't, you do not question things in the same way as adults do, unfortunately. Um, and I suppose it was only kind of, round about four or five that I began to realize that the way that I was being treated was very different. I think for the first, you know, sort of up until about three, four, there's a cuteness angle that gets you through that and and, and any differences or or things that are are not the same as the majority. There's a cute, if you're cute, you can, particularly with, with, with babies, you can get away with it. And it's the R factor that wears off. Um, and when it wears off, it, it becomes, can become something else. And I became aware that visually, although I couldn't put it into words, the family that I was part of was very different to every other family that kind of like surrounded me. I was different in the way that, not so much that I thought I was different, that came later, but the way that people treated me was different. Um, and I wasn't quite sure why that was. Um, and it, it's hard to put one's finger on it as to when that, became um, a sort of a real sort of emotional and um, sort of cerebral recognition that there was something that was that was different or or not the same as everybody else down the street. Um, I suppose for me it manifested itself more in the fact that I began to find solace, short-lived as it was, in 
films, you know, the Sunday matinees on, on BBC and, and occasionally, well, quite often seeing films with people in them that look like me. It's great, you know, yay, marvellous. Only to realise not, not long after that those people that looked like me, the Marlon Brandos, the um, Catherine Hepburns, were not exactly like me. They weren't me at all. They were pretending to be me, um, which was very strange. Um, and then obviously coming across the more extreme versions of that, like uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's and Mickey Rooney. Um, and the other side of that uh, made me aware that how I physically looked and how people treated people who looked like me was not, in some senses, not very nice. And it was uncomfortable. Um, but it wasn't something that you talked about. And to a certain extent, in some senses, adoption across the, the board, whatever type of adoption that is, it's something that we, uh, as a society, we don't really like talking about. We don't really like talking about the nitty gritty of that. And obviously, you know, sort of being uh, sort of growing up um, in the world that it was still quite close to, you know, sort of the, the sort of post-war years, as it were, and that children should be seen and not heard philosophy was still very much around. So you just, you know, it, it wasn't talked about. So there were all of these sort of weird things that were going on that I wasn't quite sure of, um, plus the reactions of people towards me, um, whereas I saw myself as, as well, like any, any other kid, you know, I didn't see what the difference was. Um, I think that creates a, I suppose, an internal chaos um, or an internal unresolved dialogue that I think for me came sharply into focus when I hit my teens. That point when you are beginning to sort of, um, is it collect, uh, beginning to sort of form as a, a rounded, unique and hopefully independent individual um, and how you relate to your community, your immediate community, which is your family, um, and where you sit in that hierarchy, you know, sort of, for me, um, I was like a square peg in a round hole because I didn't sit in that. Um, I didn't look like the people who raised me. I had no connection other than a couple of pieces of paper to the heritage that those people who raised me had to their roots, to their ancestors. For me, I had nothing. I had basically a few cursory words that, you know, sort of when I did pick up the courage to actually ask my adopted parents, you know, sort of some 
uh, tentative questions, I was told that I was abandoned because I wasn't wanted. Um, and that's all there was to know about that. I later discovered that that was completely untrue uh, and that there was quite an awful lot known about my circumstances. Um, but because it's a taboo subject or, or, and still was, you, you know, you didn't ask. Um, and there was within me that yearning to want to want to know, well, I look different. So what, is there anything that is it within me that connects me more to communities and people that, that actually physically look like me? And then for me, you have the double whammy. You have the wider society that doesn't particularly want people that look like me because they consider they considered me to be foreign, to be a threat, to be somebody that shouldn't be here. And then you turn to your heritage community and there was an equal suspicion, not from everybody, from, but from many, because I don't speak Mandarin or Cantonese, of who on earth are you? What are you? You're not like, you know, sort of people of your age. You're not like the kids that we know, you know. And also that lack of being able to communicate. Um, so you you kind of end up, or I ended up in what I call sort of, you know, the no man's land, the cultural no man's land, literally between two very distinct cultures of which I have to a certain extent a, a foot in both camps. Um, so you are culturally disenfranchised, you are linguistically disenfranchised and there is kind of nowhere for you to turn to because you you do not have that anchor point that everybody that most people have the anchor points of knowing where your parents were born where you were born so, odd things like knowing your medical history we uh, transracial adoptees don't have that we don't have that i have no actual history, concrete history, uh, factual history behind me before I was walked into the orphanage in Hong Kong. I don't exist as a person until somebody wrote something down about me in a book, in a registry in Hong Kong, basically to say this babe was abandoned, found here and we think she's approximately this age. Wow, wow. Are, are you, um, you know man's, I'm, I'm a, I love a metaphor. Um, <laughs> so your no man's land uh, metaphor it, it sums it up um, chillingly. Uh, and, and it is chilling, actually. I am getting a chill as I, as I think about that. I am having... I am feeling a chill over over my um, uh, over my body about uh, how lonely and dangerous it's it is to be in no man's land, you know. Um, and um, what, do you still feel you're there? Um. 
yes and no. It's it's a place that I am comfortable with now. I am I am what I am, you know, and I think accepting the accepting the 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 spaces the gaps i think is a a huge a huge kind of um stumbling block for many transracial adoptees um, because by accepting that to a certain extent your the the incompleteness of one's existence in some senses becomes a reality and it's also an acceptance of of certain things that one may never actually get to understand or to know and that can be quite hard um and i understand why why you know some people never truly sort of come to to terms with that um I'm happy in myself now. It's taken me over half a century to actually get there, but I'm happy in in myself in that I know who I am. Um, there are parts of me that I don't know who I am in relation to other people, as other individuals might. But that's that's part and parcel of me. Um, so I don't see it. I don't see it as a a a bleak place anymore. Mm. It's it is a place that, through circumstances, call it what you want, relinquishment, abandonment, you know, fate. That's where I ended up being, and I've made a home of it, and I am comfortable with that. Um, and that didn't happen overnight. No, you know, no. <laughs> um, it, it, the the thing that came to my mind as I said that was, um, and and I'm I'm pursuing your no man's land um, <laughs> metaphor, right? And we're we're smiling at this. Um, it, 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 so I, I no, no man's land is the you know I think of um, all quiet on the western and front west, <laughs> right? Uh, so it's just been remade, hasn't it? Mm. Yeah, it has, um, yeah. So it's it, it's a it's a, it was a, as a, a book by a German author, um, and uh, and um, No Man's Land is the place between the between the uh, the English and uh, and the Germans in, mm-hmm. in the in the World War One. Um, no Man's Land when there's a war going on is pretty dangerous. Mm. No Man's Land when in times of peace. Is an okay, is, mm. is a peaceful place to be. We're not in danger, mm. and, and it strikes it strikes me that if we've if if we've found peace uh, with being in no man's land, um, then we're we're okay with not being okay. We're, yes, we we, no. we have. We often, and I think you you were alluding this to to this. It, it it it's it's more like something that we've seen rather than something that we've done, right? Mm. So the, 
the attitude, you know, that, that sorry, the thing that the, the, the word that comes to my mind with in this in this sense is, you know, like we can uh, uh I, I when I go to bed at night, right? I um, sometimes there's a, a, a sigh and a, and a relief uh, and a and a and a, and a, a snuggling in and a and, and a grateful a, a gratefulness that comes kind of over me and a bit of peace that comes over me at the end of a hectic day, right? And I am grateful in that moment. I'm not writing a gratitude journal. I'm not writing a gratitude journal. It's nothing that I have done. I haven't thought, mm, I really need to be grateful. It's I have seen something's come to me, peace mm -hmm. has come to me, or gratitude has come to me, rather than it being something that I've gone out and, and, mm -hmm. and, and sought. And it seemed to me that, you know, it, this was a, a, a realisation that you've come to rather than something that you've done. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think to explain it, I, I, there was a, a very short period in my life when I call it my yellow period, literally, because everything had to be about East Asia about China. If it wasn't, then it wasn't worth, you know, sort of me considering. And it's the extreme, isn't it? You know, sort of my lust for or, or, or desire or, or desperation, if you want, to to try and find out something that something more about that missing part and whether I could find a connection with it, um, and actively trying to to make that happen. Um, which was never going to happen, you know, just just as bad as not doing anything about it, um, for want of a better term. So it is that, I mean, being cliche, it is that ability and, and I suppose it does, a lot of it does come from uh, experience of actually being able to let things go let things go to actually be in the truest sen sense zen about certain things um and that you know sort of chasing after things in the hope that you can affect some fundamental aspects of your own being which in the back of my mind on you wasn't true um is is a a fool's errand, but I think it is a process that many transracial adoptees you have to go through. It may not be chasing after all things cultural to try and get a, a hook on that. It may be something else for another transracial adoptee. For me, that's what it was. Um, and coming to the realization that I am this composite, this, this bringing together of, of, of nature and nurture, of being brought up in the West uh, to all intensive uh, sense of purposes uh, with the privilege of being brought up in a white society, but not ever being able to um, take advantage of those privileges because of the colour of my skin. And on the other side of over 5,000 years of culture, of art, of philosophy, of 
um, innovation, that is part of me. And also where I sit now, um, I think there will be other, I'm sure many transsexual adoptees will disagree with me. I owe enormously to my, my, my birth parents. I have inherited from them the traits of me being bloody-minded, of, of being interested in various things, of perhaps seeing things in the way that I do. Um, and that connects me as much to my sort of my sort of cultural heritage as the way that I was the advantages I had being brought up in 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 the fifth wealthiest nation in the West of here. So I am an amalgamation, a true heterozygote, if you like, of of those two two um, cultures, and I walk that line in between. Um, you know, I cannot help but do anything other than that. Yeah. I'm going to have to look at that word Hector Zyglock because that doesn't... Um, I, I, the, the composite one was the one that um, that made the most sense to me is, is you know, it's that... Um, going back to how it, you know... Um, how you talked about it, how other people, I'm going to, hopefully this, this, I'm just simplifying, right? Not, not fitting in, not, not fitting in a, in a, in a, in a white, not, not being welcomed in a, in a mm. white community, not being welcome in a white community, not being welcome in a, um, in a, in an Asian community, you know, talked about the no Mandarin, no Cantonese. So that, that's, that's that that's in that's you in no man's land mm. um, the, the, the 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 composite lucy has a foot in both camps and isn't looking to the um east asian you know you were looking for the uh, the um you're looking for yourself in the in your yellow period mm -hmm. the east asian camp and now ha happiness is being a composite and amalgam amalgamation and uh, a realizing a realization that you're straddling you've got a foot in in both camps is that how you would put it yes I, I, I would yeah yeah I mean I'm I am I am a I am made through as it were to a certain extent. British colonialism. I am made through the fact that you know, sort of, my birth parents are of East Asian heritage, um, and the the result is me, you know. Um, and I think talking about sort of, uh, it was only when you were talking about my uh, sort of um, sort of analogy of of, of the, the the no man's land. I think there is very often for people of colour um, a war that goes on inside you about identity, especially if you are, I think, and, and I believe this, if you are blessed with more than one identity heritage or what, however you wish to coin that, 
which should take precedence, which is the most dominant, you know, uh, which do you lean into more, which you are you more comfortable with? And I suppose for me, and it's just me, I have come to the, to the conclusion that neither one is dominant because I am, I would not be who I am doing what I do. I would not be speaking to you if for me, I had not come to the place where I accept I am both of those things. And I can call upon those attributes in whatever proportions I need to at any time, you know, um, and I am happy with that. There are people in the wider society who are not so happy with that, but that is their problem, not mine. Yeah. Because I was, you, I, I, I really picked up on the word blast there. Right. So, you know, I've been I've been painting all these um, um, or projecting all this stuff. You know, I've been painting this lonely existence in no man's mm -hmm. land uh, as, as along the journey. So lonely in no, I guess there's three stages there. Um, uh, ha happy at home. Um, lonely in no man's land. Uh and, and then happy with the foot in in each in mm -hmm. each camp. That's probably the third bit, the third stage. And then the fourth stage stage is blessed, mm. blessed to have a foot in both camps. I really wasn't expecting the word blessed to come up with, which is probably why I underlined underlined it. <laughs> so now it's almost like, well, I've, um, Lucy's got a superpower um, in the fact that she can choose which part of her. Um, heritage she brings to the fourth mm. uh, br brings forth to achieve what you want to achieve in the world mm. I mean it's not, you know I am I think I am a combination of those things and you know sort of, you can't have one without the other so you know it's it's two halves halves of of the you know two or two sides of of the single coin you know you 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 have you, you have to have both it's like light and dark you can't have one without the other um and there is a symbiotic kind of uh, relationship um and and how those those parts of me intertwine and uh reconcile themselves to each other, um, I'm not quite sure how how that that happens, but it it, it does. Um, you know, it, it's so from that. Yes, is I, I don't know why I use the word blessed, but you know, sort of, I'm I'm lucky. There are some people who who don't have the kind of like the challenges or or, or, or the the um component parts the multitude of component parts that transracial adoptees have and still find it difficult to center or, or find who it is that they are within their own sort of uh framework so you know sort of it, it is a complex issue isn't it i mean all of these sort of we're told man-made expressions you know sort of about identity 
if they are man-made, we still put so much store by them. They mean so much to us, both individually and collectively. You know, it is important to, as, as somebody uh, said to me, to find your own tribe. And people do. You fight like water. You find your own level eventually. Um, and you find the people that you can create a family with or create communities with that are supportive. Um, so, you know, sort of, and it's very often sort of told to me that, you know, sort of identity is, is, is over, overrated. Well, for people who don't have problems seeing themselves and identifying themselves uh, in their own communities, of course it's not. If you know where your history is, if you know where you, you came from, then of course it's, it's no big deal. But if you don't have it, it is a big deal. It's, it's, it's something that you, you, you long for, that history, you know, sort of even connecting in a, a way to sort of my heritage uh, being of East Asian heritage, you are putting your finger on a, a thread, a red thread that goes back over 5,000 years. Um, and, and, and that is an extraordinary feeling, even though you may feel slightly displaced from that, there is a part of you that is actually um, associated with that. You are connected to that by dint of your DNA, by dint of the way that you look. That is, some, that is a very powerful thing. Um, and as transracial adoptees, you know, sort of, you don't have that with the people that you think you should, with your parents, with relatives. You have none of that. You, do, you don't know there is an absence of that root structure for you emotionally, personally, physically, historically. Um, so you are very much... Um, I suppose, like a cuckoo, you know, you're growing up in, in, in somebody else's nest um, and finding your own way, finding your own sort of uh, roots it can be difficult. Yeah. One of, the, one of the ideas I'm playing around with at the moment is that um, healing and I guess in, in, in sorry, Healing is a seeing thing, right? It's something that we see. And um, in the context of this conversation we've been having, that peace, too, is a, is a, it feels like a seeing thing rather than a doing thing. It, it's something that we get through insight mm. um, rather than doing. Does that make any, does that make any sense to you? I think it does, yes. Yeah. I mean, um, in this context, yes, I think it is, it's not. I think it's something that you, uh, personally speaking, I think it's something that you have to allow. And I think very often, 
particularly, you know, sort of through my formative years, there was a uh, a noise, a worry that drowns out your ability to to stop chasing for things that are not that I would say that unobtainable, but there are that are unnecessary because so much weight is given to knowing where you come from, having all of those, uh, in some senses, uh, sort of minutiae, that you're chasing after things that you don't necessarily need to have, but because everybody else has them and because they are the things that point you out as being different, as being outside of that normative framework, I think you you try to chase them, um, which in, in some senses as a translational adoptee and the very nature of, 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 of that um, being means that what you're chasing for is nigh on impossible. Therefore you are, you know, it is almost the, the practical, you know, sort of application of, you know, sort of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, and hoping that you'll get a different outcome, which you, you won't. So I think it's, it, I think a lot of it does come from experience and, and hopefully um, a little bit of wisdom. Um, and also age to a certain extent, does perhaps, in my case, made me more comfortable with me. Um, you know, and I, from that point of view, yes, I was lucky. It made I, I was able to sit fully into myself and relax and be comfortable with that. Whereas, you know, sort of growing up, I was distinctly uncomfortable uh, about a lot of things. Um, because I was constantly being reminded that I wasn't the same as everybody else, um, and I think it's very easy to 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 go down those blind alleys, to go down you know the rabbit holes, chasing things that actually aren't that important. It's because societies put on those the importance of those things that you should know exactly A, B, C, and D, um, but actually you don't have to know all of the A, B, Cs, and Ds. Um, it just means that, you know, sort of your path, your tapestry is slightly different, and why shouldn't it be? Yeah. So you've found peace without ever finding the, the, the story the full backstory, right? Yes, because I've 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 reconciled with the fact that I will probably now I'm going to be proved wrong, aren't I? I'm suddenly yeah. going to get some kind of like ping on the DNA thing um, that I will never know. Uh, that I will never meet uh, any close relatives. Uh, now more because of of time, um, I will 
very, very, it's very unlikely that I will ever meet uh, my birth parents if they are still alive. Um, and I think there's a point at which, as, as regrettable and as sad as it is, you have to, well, one has to basically let it go. Yeah. You know. I mean, our our culture, I mean, listen, I'm talking about our culture, I'm talking about Western culture here, um, I guess, and not. I'm not talking about anything to do with mm. the culture, I'm saying, but our, but our culture isn't really happy with not knowing. Not know, you know, like uh, politicians, mm. you know, uh, what... Um, and when politicians are interviewed by the media, they will go to great pains to avoid saying that they don't mm. know. That you mm. know the 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 the, um, the interviewer, the um, the political commentator, the the hack, the journalist, is trying always trying to get them on the back foot. Always, mm. and, and but if they say that they don't know, then the the that 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 journalist is going to be all over them. Like a rash, the mm. idea of of not knowing, you know, at, at peace yeah. with not knowing, doesn't sit very well with um, the, the culture here in in the West. Well, you, mm. you're going to find out, you know, the idea, mm. um, uh, and you know that that um, uh, when we've got this curiosity in our heads as adoptees, so we don't know. Well, th so therefore, if I can answer all my questions, then I'm going to get to peace. That that's mm. uh, that is a. A big, a big narrative yeah. adoption community. But what you're saying is, it's not for you. Mm. But you reconciled without the resolution. Yeah, and I would have to say, I mean, and obviously, you know, each adoptee is is, is different. I I think there is a false hope. Is that the right way of, of putting that? That particularly for adoptees of entering into a union, of finding more about the missing past links will somehow possibly resolve any current challenges or, or previous traumas that they uh, that one might have gone through. And that's not necessarily the case, unfortunately. Sometimes, you know, sort of when you get answers to your your the past that you didn't know you have, you end up with more questions. One can end up with more questions um, and not very many answers. Um, so it, 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 you know, sort of it's, it's a difficult one because deciding to kind of try and chase after things that, you know, uh, that have been buried for whatever reason or that are lost is a another journey, another level on your current sort of existence, um, and it can be quite um, that in of itself can be quite traumatic, especially if you're if one is hoping to find answers in inverted commas, because very often you don't, unfortunately. Um, it's it's such a a strange thing and uh, I was talking to a, a, another transracial doctor the other day about I view that sort of transracial adoptees 
grow into uh, very often grow into more of their challenges as they get older and it should be the other way around you should you know sort of be free of you know sort of these these trials and tribulations but as you grow older the the life markers that that signify um you know significant things like I know leaving home for the first time, setting up with a, a partner for the first time, having buying a home, having children, getting married. All these things point back and are a constant reminder that you don't have the the links toward to all of the other thing, all of those other things that happen to your to your your mother and your 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 relatives. You don't have your link is the only one that you're aware of. Unlike other people who go, you know, they can compare their their marriages or, or whatever with their grandparents or their uncles and their aunts. You you don't, as a transracial adoptee, you don't have that, and that can be quite um, that can be very upsetting. Um, so some of the problems that transracial adoptees face come to them quite late on in life and if you have not uh, this is from my point of view only if you have not been able to settle within yourself and reconcile yourself to who you are as opposed to what other people would like you to be or think you are it can be very unsettling. Um, I have no answer as to how one does that. Um, I, like I said, I've just been very fortunate in how I've been able to come to that. There is no magic bullet. There are no internet or ebook classes that I can run on that. You know, it's, it's, I'm sure I'm sure somebody somewhere has tried that, but. Um, it, it, it doesn't work like that, unfortunately. So as my own stuff I would describe would actually m mirror your journey, but with obviously different destinations on the point, mm -hmm. on, on, the, on the start. So you, you we start off at, at home we start off at home um then we go on a on a, on, on on a journey the the human journey or the, what do they call it the heroes two journeys in the in the, <laughs> in the film world right we go we go on the journey and then and then we eventually we 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 come back to where we started mm. um so we we started off at peace then there were a load of trials and tribulations <laughs> false starts um and and then we've 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 come home um mm. so and and home has been is, is that is that place of that place of of peace so we've gone from peace to war and then we've found peace again and and that's how it seems seems to be to to me and there is the the the, the only um, the the silver bullet is is insights 
the silver is when we have a shift in our perspective when we have yeah. an aha moment and you know I, I i i'm working on this in terms of my book at the moment you know first off you have kind of a a, a glimpse of something then you have a, a theory emerges um uh, a theory emerges in your head then you get it uh, then it becomes stronger and and you get it in your your heart you have a, a shift in the way that you feel about things and then you have a or one has an embodied understanding mm-hmm. so uh, insights grow in grow in stature they grow in scale and they become fully fully embodied um experience being a fully mm-hmm. embodied experience and and that seems to me that the only thing that helps us get back home get from war to peace is the insight and then so the next question that always comes to my mind as i'm thinking as if i was a listener um, would be well how do i do that simon <laughs> and 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 the, the the answer is you are already doing it mm-hmm. listener as in you are listening to two adoptees mm-hmm. Talking about the insights that have had, they've had that have helped them to more peace. And I'll talk about my myself in a, in, uh, in in the sense that that peace is not um, that that is peace with the tough stuff. It's mm. peace with the with the insecurities. What what we're looking for is uh, that the world the, the world has told me that. A complete cessation of feelings of insecurity is where I'll find peace. But I I don't see that in the human experience. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't see any 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 humans going through life not having some mm. tough stuff going on. But being at peace, being reconciled with the fact that insecurities sometimes come up, that I feel insecure. Oh yes. Absolutely, you can't. You know, it's it's. It is a bit like the difference between uh, allowing a chrysalid to struggle to break free and to emerge as an amazing, colourful butterfly. If you help that chrysalid and you cut it open and you allow it to break out, um, which was once done maybe at school, it loses all of that colourful beauty. It comes out brown. There has to be struggle. There has to be conflict, and conflict doesn't necessarily have to be a negative thing it can be a positive thing it, it depends how you how how that is used within you and how you engage with all the other bits that are going on around you you know um we have to have light and dark we have to be able to sometimes hit those sort of unpleasant rocky depths in order to appreciate and in order to understand uh, and appreciate more 
the high points, you know, sort of, you, you have to have that diversity. You have to have that light and shade, you know. Um, I think, and obviously, you know, sort of similar with experience, one uses both the positive and the negative experiences to inform how you react, how you engage, how you move forward um, from the present point that you are, how you evolve um, without, you know, sort of, without having that difference, without having that, you know, sort of up and down, it's, you would, you wouldn't kind of like learn, you'd, you'd be plateaued, you'd, you wouldn't change. Um, and I think it's, you know, sort of it's the having the confidence and the courage and hopefully the support to be able to go through those moments where you are angry about things, where you are upset about things, where you are happy about things, where you embrace your feelings about your journey, about your circumstances. Um, and don't shy away from them. And as, as you've said, learn that it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to say no, as equally as it's okay to say yes. You know, um, we, you, one can only do what you can do at any given stage. And I think very often, you know, sort of, we try to force things um, and sometimes that doesn't work out and it, it it's not good because I think there is a particularly now you know sort of we are very um greedy want we want things to happen quickly because we get our emails quickly we can phone people we can get all of this you know we can do it now 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 and that's not how kind of like certain things happen it, it doesn't life isn't doesn't happen like that and and we are part of that 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 big you know sort of eternally rolling ball you know and and not everything happens in the way that we would like it or when it we would like it um it's just the way that it is and and i think we 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 have to to understand that there are certain things that will happen we will have certain reactions um, and it's okay to be surprised by those. It's okay to feel the way that you do. It's okay to run up against a brick wall or into a, you know, a cul-de-sac. Um, and that's okay, you know, sort of stamping our feet or getting sort of really angry or upset about it or, or sometimes isn't the best thing. Although sometimes it is. Yeah. A release, you know. Um, so I guess, yes, you know, sort of. And, and the other good thing about, one of the good things about now is that, you know, sort of talking about m mental health and well-being and, and looking after oneself is becoming more of a, a thing that is acceptable, you know. Um, and I think that's really important, particularly for adult adoptees. I think it's really important because that has that plays a huge part. We put 
so much I think we put so much pressure upon ourselves as well as the pressure of, of societal norms um, that I think you can lose sight of what is important which is you yeah a, a funny image of me stamping my foot <laughs> and saying I must have an insight now into my shooting <laughs> how how uh, how uh, how conducive that's a good word isn't it? I, don't, I don't use that word very often um uh how, how conducive is patience to insight uh and yeah not very right impatience and insight are are, are not bad but they seem at odds but i think they are um they're complementary aren't they and I think you know, so is one one of the things I would say. With with time, perhaps comes a little more patience. Um, Sounds like a great place to um, bring it in. Um, so I'll put links to your socials on the on the on the on the show notes if you want to check mm -hmm. those out, listeners. Um, find out more about what Lucy's up to in the world. It's been a great uh, conversation, and. Yeah, and, and um, before we started this the conversation, I, I was concerned. Well, not. I really wanted to focus in on the individual, and mm -hmm. um, rather than because thriving adoptees is is about shifts in us as the individual, rather than the um, the external. Because I, I'm I, I'm not I'm, I I don't see the the role of the podcast as to as to um, do the external advocacy stuff. Because I, I think, you know, peace is an inside job and, and that's what we're, that's what most of us are, are looking for. I, I didn't realise we would have as much to talk about on that internal stuff as we, as we didn't. So I'm, I'm, um, I'm delighted that, that uh, you, you shared such, um, with such eloquence and yeah, I, uh, I loved that. And uh, especially that, no man's land if you can at, at peace at peace in no man's land with a foot in both camps i think it's beautiful peaceful place to 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 see ourselves yeah beautiful thanks a lot listeners we'll speak to you very soon <laughs>